ladies and gentlemen back again trying to work hard trying to put some more out i've been busy should have been putting out episode four but we have episode five right five right here it'll come out (laughs) i I promise um but yes i have a lovely guest today on not your day job and i would love for her to introduce herself so what is your name and what is your not so day job is that because you can't remember my name or you don't know how to pronounce it? And look, it's it's sure <laughs> look, look, it's sure something and I can't and I and I messed up the last girl's last name. She had to say it. I she had I said Cassandra put and she was like, it's if you want to say it American, it's Perozo, but if you want to put the Latin, you gotta roll the R. And I said, I can't do it. Just you do it for me. Do it for no me. No problem, no problem. My name okay. is Shireen Kassam, the funny brown girl. I go by the funny brown girl, so you can call me that. I don't think it's racist. People do, whatever. Uh, But you did it. Yeah, I called myself the funny brown girl. There you go. And I've called myself that for almost 10 years and only in maybe the last two years where people are like, that's racist and that's not politically correct and you shouldn't do that and makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, well, you're not the funny brown girl. I am. So it doesn't matter if you're uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh, man. You know what? That's that's really good. See, now I'm not going to segue from my normal thing, uh, but I'm going to wrap back to that. I'm glad that you made that point because I do want to ask about people and sensitivity with comedy. But first, how did you get into comedy? Like, what was that inspiration that started you? To be like, you know what? I I could be pretty good at this. Uh, I think I should work at this. So what was that spark? Yeah, sure. I guess I didn't tell them that or whoever's watching. I'm a stand-up comic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know what? We didn't do that. She is a great stand-up comedian. And yes. I act now too. And yes. I'm in your in your web series. Yes, the web series I film on. Shout out to Kenny Mulford, the director yes. of the Drop Web Series. Also, that is premiering. Uh, well, I can't really say tonight because this won't. <laughs> it won't air. Tonight. This will not air. But I think this I'm night. in episode two and four, so check it out. Yes, go back and check it out. Uh, but yes, we're wrapping it up. By the time this goes out, <laughs> it will be wrapped up. So look this up on YouTube. But yes, back to you. So you are a stand-up comedian. Yes. The funny brown girl. Okay. And become an actress too. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I found people were like, you know, you better be ready when you move to LA. And I was like, well, I mean, the comedy scene's so competitive. And I was like, I really want to be on a sitcom. So I better learn how to act so that when I'm out there, I'm going to be like the funny girl on the sitcom. Gotcha. Okay. I don't know. I have to lose some weight is what my agent said. Uh, She was like, either you can be fat and like be really fat and funny or you have to be skinny, but you can't be whatever you are right now. Like, really? Okay, well, <laughs> I'd rather get fat, but <laughs> I'd rather get skinny. <laughs> so so it's like you either, that's kind of crazy though. So you either have to be like the really big, like, you know, primetime, I guess, Melissa McCarthy, yeah. or you, either you have to be somebody slim, like, I don't know, um, who's who's really big right now? Name somebody really who's slim. Well, I guess like Ellen true like i can't come out on a talk show like with you know big boobs and a pop belly being like let's dance y'all but, but i thought that like oprah <laughs> removed that stigma though i thought I she did i mean she's, she's not oprah. a comedian i but... think it's just because she's oprah <sighs> yeah but she had to work to get there so i mean anyway i think that's like really <laughs> crazy that you know they tell you especially oh, yeah. women i mean they tell men too like oh you need to be this height and your hair should be this way and you need to get the six pack i get it like hollywood whatever man yeah whatever and whatever but anyway so (laughs) is that a place that you're thinking about going to is that where it's kind of like the place that you need to be yeah at at some point i definitely am gonna either move to la or maybe even atlanta because atlanta's got a really big growing scene in comedy and in acting now i know about acting i didn't know about comedy yeah it's one it's a bigger scene it's not as big as la or new york or chicago but it's like in the top five for sure okay a lot of a lot of uh, mainstream rooms, but more urban. Yeah, but, for sure. But really big focus on like people of color, which I like. Yeah, so. it definitely is. Um, one of my friends, uh, she lives there now, uh, mm-hmm. being an actress because she's like that's where the jobs are. Yep. And um, I believe that city, like the city of Atlanta, is like something like seventy percent, eighty percent black. Yeah. Which I was like. <laughs> I am definitely not used to that. I'm a country boy. I grew up around like majority 90% white yep. high school. So I'm just like going to a 70, 80% black complete city would be like shock value to me. Mm-hmm. However, I, I do like that as far as like people of color getting those opportunities. Right. 
and uh, it's actually, you know, a professional place to work. Because I think, you know, there's a stigma around, you know, working with people of color mm-hmm. and and not being professional and da 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 uh, so I feel like I'm very proud of Atlanta because they do have all these major people oh, coming down there sure. to work and they're putting in a lot of professional work that is seeing the light of day. So um, it, I've heard from one of my friends who is a professional sound mixer for film that is like the new L.A. in a sense, yeah, new Hollywood right, or whatever. For sure. So, um, yeah, because Tyler Perry has his studio in Atlanta and so does uh, Will Packer. Gotcha. So... Now, do you think that like stand-up comedy is kind of your main thing? Yeah, so for sure, far? for sure. Well, and well, I guess podcasting now too, because podcasting takes up way more time than I thought it was ever going to take. Gotcha. I mean, in the time I'm writing a podcast for one week, I probably could write my one-hour special for Netflix. <laughs> now you write a podcast? Like, what do you mean? Just well, kind of I like, mean, like coming up with the questions. I do. Understood. A, I do an alternate week episode or podcast. So one week I interview a creative of color, and okay. then the second week I talk about my own experiences as a creative. So okay, I pick that's a topic awesome. like, you know, how to deal with fear or how to say how the power of yes or how to deal with rejection or how to how to find your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so those take a while for me to script out. Gotcha. And I think that's really, really awesome because I was thinking about even for this, like, should I have some self-talking segments about creativity, maybe even getting into like the business realm of it? Because a lot of creatives don't really they just say, oh, I'm just setting up a camera. I'm doing yeah, something exactly. or whatever. And they don't really take it as seriously. But clearly you are. And I think that's valuable information that you're sitting here and spending the time that it's not just I'm just throwing up a camera and things of that nature. You're writing out the questions. You're doing the hard work of getting the guest on the show. So um, I think that's really valuable information to have in a podcast where you talk about the different things going on, even in probably uh your career right like exactly. you can gain experience through you yeah. uh, i think it's important i think you should definitely do it because i think a lot of people listen to these podcasts who want to be who are creatives but they don't know how to get to that next level gotcha. and any advice you can share with them to help them get to that next level is so that's the whole point i think like for mine especially because it's focused on people of color who and a lot of us didn't grow up with the mentors and the network that we need to be successful in music or film or comedy like that network just doesn't exist. And so this podcast is to be like, hey guys, here's what you can do. This is what Ma says. This is what Rizwan Munji says. This is what Tina Mabry says. But here's my experience as well. Gotcha. And I think people love hearing about it. Like what failures did you have and what successes did you have and what challenges did you overcome? Yep. Do you feel like um, you have had an easy time or like has it been super difficult getting into the industry? Not just doing, of course, I'm sure, there's a level of difficulty getting in front of a crowd to tell jokes because either you could be hot one night, have mm-hmm. the wrong crowd yeah. one night. I'm sure there's a lot of difficulty, but just getting in the industry and networking with other comedians, more prominent, have a little bit more of a buzz and trying to learn your way through uh, that industry. Do you feel like it's been tough for you? And do you feel like being a person of color has, has that hindered part of that or has it not? Has, has things changed? So, just wanting to know yeah no the good question so comedy is actually the one thing where they say right now in 2017 18 19 that it is the worst occupation to be a white male in because they don't want to see any more white male comics they're actually looking for diversity so i wouldn't say it's been easier i mean i have a corporate america job so i will say stand-up comedy is easier than that for me (laughs) Um, but i think it's all about the hustle like i came out of the gate i created a niche for myself um, called myself the funny brown girl, marketed it. My niche is I talk about being a Muslim in America. Some people think that I've taken the easy way out because I have created that niche for myself. Mm-hmm. But if you look at every great comedian, they all have something that they kind of lean on. Like Chris Rock leans on political comedy, right? right? Everybody has something that's what defines them. And my whole set's not about being Muslim, but I'm the Muslim girl who's going to talk about being Muslim in America. So for me, I mean, it's been tough. But I, I've hustled. Like, I will apply to every competition that's out there. I will go mm-hmm. to every competition. I will apply to every festival. I will send out my name, my headshot. I'll send out reels. Like, it's I'm constantly on it. And some people, right. are, like what I said, like, they listen to this podcast and they're like, I want to be a comedian, but they don't know how to take that next step. Right. And it's exactly. like showing them, like, this is what you have to do to get out there. You can't right. just be in Orlando performing at a coffee shop every day. That is very true. And I've, I've met 
been gracious enough to meet a couple of uh, local uh, comedians mm-hmm. in Orlando who've been at places like the Orlando Improv yes. and, and things of that nature. And they have said it, too, is that, you know, we, we've also made our way out to Atlanta. We've yes. also made our way out to New York. We also have made our way out to L.A. And, uh, yeah, you know, it costs us some money. Yes. We're booking our own flights. We're yep. doing our own thing. Uh, but for that chance to be able to just try to show our face exactly be seen right and get our chance to possibly open up for somebody right. who's more prominent than us and learn a lot uh is worth that yep so i think i think that's definitely something interesting to think about that they're kind of tired of the of the white yeah, comedian they're, t- they're tired of because like, they don't really have a perspective right I right. mean, you get the black comic on stage, the brown comic, the Hispanic. They all have a perspective on life, and that's what they talk about. Gotcha. But the white comic is just anybody. The jokes that the white person's making, and no offense to white people, anybody can make those jokes most of the time, right? There's not gotcha. really any joke that a white person's making that I couldn't go up on stage and take as my own. Gotcha. Because they've been kind of, as far as this country, I will speak on, um, You've kind of been, you've been the predominant <laughs> culture, you know, it, it, it's been 70% white nation by population numbers still is. And, you know, not going into the history of this country, uh, with people of color. Uh, but is is that I do believe there's kind of a change. It's, mm-hmm. it, you, you kind of see it in many different in- industries and, and I do understand from some people who are white, uh, who feel that is is there a point where it stops in order to let them back in that some of those white <laughs> white you know comedians or filmmakers actors actresses whatever they are are like yeah you're hiring a lot of people of color great hey hey but i want a shot too and i feel like i understand i get what you're saying you're saying that you know don't just hire someone just because you know they're brown uh, right. Hire someone not not only because you're trying to make your company diverse, but they can do the job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that I would tell anyone who's white who thinks like it's just a, a status quo. Like we're just trying to put our quota up. We have enough black people. We have enough people. We, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing about comedy. It's not like that at all. It's who's the funniest. I mean, there's some really funny white people like Ella and Gary Goldman, Louis C.K. Before he started mm-hmm. whipping out his penis. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of funny Louis. white people. <laughs> Why? Anyway, but people want to hear different stories yeah, now. People are ready crazy. for Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. and people are just ready to to relate more to like the stories that they've they've grown up with. Correct. They just want to see something different. And yeah. as you as you mentioned, uh, you going on stage, being a stand up comedian, and you know me, I never asked you what <laughs> you know what your background is, what your race was. You know. I don't think that matters as much anymore. Um, I think it's cool to like know, like, oh, like I have a friend who, you know, but um, I believe it's very inspirational to maybe other people because I have people from different cultures who are just like my culture is very rigid on certain things and how I grew up was very rigid. So I thought I wanted to be an actor, actress or comedian or this, that and the third. But I knew that if I came home with that, my parents and my people were going to be like, are you effing kidding me? Like, there's no (laughs) way, you know, and I feel like that for there probably is a uh, young Muslim creator who's probably looking at you and seeing that you're doing it out here and you're working hard and people do find you funny and you can tell jokes and like, okay. And okay. Our culture can do this. Like, yeah, it's no like a lot of Americans kind of, I guess, cause what we see is only what the media mm-hmm. gives us. Yep. We see this like very rigid go by the whatever, I guess, holy text and thing and whatever. And they're just like, you can't have any fun. Yeah. Can't have any fun. Yep. And then they see you on stage and like, huh? Yeah, and that's the whole point of my act. My right. whole point is And and let me not be stupid. No, you can fine. continue to answer that question. I thought I turned the air conditioning off. Sorry. You're probably hearing all that shh. We're gonna try to edit that out. But let her talk. <laughs> Go ahead, turn that off. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even I, notice. Like I, I noticed immediately and I was like, What? <laughs> I, t- I turned that off. Is the fan okay? Fan is fine. Uh-huh. Fan doesn't really bother me as much or whatever. Yeah. And I, I've heard other people's podcasts that are way more famous than me. 
And uh, yeah, y'all are not super clean either. And y'all do a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff. So I said, I, I should be okay. Um, but yeah, I think that inspires people. You being on stage and being, you know, from the culture that you're coming from and you're representing when you're on that stage, um, I think that is so inspirational to other people. Well, 100%. 100%. I have not been to one of your shows. No. But I automatically <laughs> know just by meeting you and your personality. And I just judge people by their character and who they are. And I'm like, yeah, this person has it together. You can kind of just see it. You know, when someone has it and is working towards something and you're just like, okay, like I can see it. So oh, thank for you. sure. Appreciate it. You can check out a clip uh, on funnybrowngirl.com. Yes. Go ahead. Plug. I don't yeah. care. Plug Funny in Brown, the middle. Funnybrowngirl.com. Just check out my clip. It's I think four minutes, five minutes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're going to go there. Go to the website. I'm going to link everything in the description as I always do. All her social links. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. You know, we plug at the end. <laughs> Still having a conversation. It's all good. It's all good. Um, have you had any I'm a like media whore, by the way? No, yeah, just... but hey, <laughs> gotta hustle. We, we all Market. are. You Brand have yourself. to. You kind of have to. Brand yourself, you know. I'm Look at this. <laughs> you know, I didn't even notice she had that. Like, I don't like I, people I, I, to forget. Yo, what? <laughs> you know what? I I kind of like that more. I kind of want to steal that because I feel like you know having having the shirt that just says like black. <laughs> I actually like, want to get like an orange sweatshirt and have it written on an orange sweatshirt. Just see, that's really even better. Really people. put it in there. Yeah, I, I mean, like I that. have my own shirts too, but I word, was, you have your own shirt. Yeah, you got it. My, Yo, we're, we're putting bed. out, we're what? putting out merchandise too. All right, <laughs> and then I got my Instagram handle on the back of the shirt. This is what I mean, y'all. Fun, funnybrowngirl.com. <laughs> Brand yourself. Also get the merch. <laughs> also get the merch now we're trying to now i do have not your day job t-shirts but they don't look as good as that i'm gonna ask you after this podcast where do you get your t-shirts yeah, made let's talk we can talk after yeah this. i'll give you a number she's I, in paramore what yeah we got the plug as the drug dealer people say the plug oh my gosh word this is a good podcast i'm learning, I'm learning a lot man my yeah, podcast you gotta, go to, you gotta go to paramore for the best stuff oh man paramore isn't that supposed to be the hood part of town? This is a side, this is a side conversation. Mm. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> anyway, going back to it. Have you now have you had any like outstanding um I guess what was kind of like the the worst experience like being a comic? Was it like a time that you bombed or did you have an experience in the comedy industry that was like and of course if you don't and i tell everyone when i ask these questions i ask these questions because some people open up some people don't because i've heard some stories that i i later said you know what we'll redo cut that if it seems a little personal for you it seems like you were iffy about it but i always ask because sometimes those stories are the ones that help other people because i've heard stories from males and females like some bad stuff happened when i started to get up towards the industry mm -hmm. or whatever but sometimes it's not necessarily something so deep but i always ask like was there you know just a bad night where it was just like it's the worst night the crowd was bad there was a big person in the room looking at me or was there something even deeper like i was trying to come up in the industry i was getting this opportunity to go to this place with these people i always say don't name no names but like it was just like they just kind of pushed me out to the side and was just like you're nobody like did you ever have a bad experience while doing comedy yes the question is is which one do you want to hear <laughs> <laughs> well, which ones are you willing to take? Because I believe it all helps to someone saying, man, now I can, you know, I'll watch out for that and be like, you know, what? I heard that from the funny brown girl. Like, I, you know what? I'm not going to put myself in that same situation. When I recognize that situation, now I'm like, yep, mm -hmm. I know it. I'm out. Well, this was more of a situation with the audience. So the, there was two different experiences. And it's interesting because one experience was with white people and one experience was with black people. So it's interesting that I was able to piss off both sides of the audience. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I think I the worst experience I've ever had doing comedy, and I say it's the worst because I was mm -hmm. actually going to start crying on stage. Um, and I cried after the sh Like I cried immediately getting off stage and I've never cried before doing comedy because comedy is my like is my passion it's like 
it's like an extension of me. Like it's my joy. It's my happiness. It's like it, you right. can't make comedy can't make you cry. Your passion can't make you cry. And I was like bawling, like literally bawling tears. Um, I did a show in Melbourne, Florida, and this the the club the club room only sat forty people, but we ended up having hundred and twenty people come out, and right. they'd all come out to see me because I'm on the I was on the radio at the time, and so they were all like coming out to see me. And so all 120 people in the club, I knew, like they were walking in, I mean, not new, but they knew right, me, right, right, right? right? So they were like taking pictures Familiar, with me. Yeah. Like, so I was like on cloud nine. I was like, this can be the best damn show ever. And right. I was only featuring, which means I was the second comic doing 25 minutes. And then there mm-hmm. was a headliner. And the funny thing is, is the headliner had a bit of an ego. Like, you know, I'm the best, blah, blah, blah. Of like, course. that's why I'm the headliner and you're the feature. And like, there was always this tension where it was like, you're you shouldn't even be on the radio. You're only on the radio because we needed a female voice and that's why you're here, right? Wow. So I was kind of excited because I was like, I'm going to prove to him like I'm funny and all these people came out to see me because we were also doing a door deal, meant, which meant that every ticket we sold, we were going to get that money, right? So when we he had agreed to split it with me 50-50 because at the time we had only sold 20 tickets. So in his head, he was like, we each get like 50 bucks, big deal. You know what I mean? Right, right. But then we had 120 and we're splitting it 50 50 right so i get on um so it's 120 people we're waiting to start the show there's a table right in the front that hasn't been sat sat yet and it and it's just right in the front smack dab in the front and all of a sudden these 13 white people walk in and they're club regulars they come every weekend but i didn't know them and they didn't listen to the radio show so now i've got 13 people in the front who don't know me who don't know why all these people are here right 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 right. So the first girl gets on stage. She's a uh, Irish girl or some sort, white girl. And the table in the front's like, she's ugly. She's a loser. Get her off stage. Da, da, da. At that point, it's up to the security or the general manager to go up there and tell them to be quiet. But he didn't. Now it's my turn to go on stage. Now this crowd is, ar- this, this table's already rude and disrespectful, right? I get on stage and like right away they start talking and I was like, excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm on stage. Do you mind keeping your talk, your chatter to a minimum? And they're like, we can do whatever we want. We paid for our tickets to be here. And they kept talking, right? So yeah, I'm you getting you pay for your tickets to see me. Exactly. So I'm getting super frustrated on stage because I've never had anyone talk back to me. Like usually it's like yeah. they're like, oh, but- I'm so sorry, and like quiet right and plus all these people around them are also telling them to be quiet because they're there for me right and they can see that it's bothering me because literally i'm like on stage and they're like less than a foot away oh, from oh me. I, yeah like, I've i could seen, reach yeah. out and tap them yeah. right yeah i've seen that so they wouldn't stop talking like i must have told them three times to please stop talking because they were they kept getting louder and louder so i had to keep be like just and they're it doing down. it just now probably on purpose yeah 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 they definitely were 100 because they knew it was getting under my skin right right and I mean, I'm a professional. I should know how to handle that situation, but I've never been in that situation. I've never had to tell someone three times to shut the hell up. And you don't strike me as a person who's a co- who's the comedian that is the uh, the heckler no. quieter. Like I have a like a comedian loose cannon who's on oh, uh, the TJ Chapman show. Now he's <laughs> the guy that will probably if somebody's doing that, he's like, yeah. okay, he's like, I'm gonna let y'all talk for the next like minute of my set. And then in that minute, I'm going to come up with three witty things that I'm just going to slay you Mm -hmm. with and have everyone laughing at you. Yeah. And I think that's so hard when you were just trying to do your set. And it's like, I don't even heckle people. Well, sometimes I can heckle people to be quiet. It just depends on the situation. As a female, it's harder to heckle people because you have a fine line between being funny and being bitchy. And if you become bitchy and then the audience turns on you, then that's even worse than the one table turning on you. Does that make sense? And I have a very hard time. And I know this from my personal life. Like when I'm talking to people, I can, my sarcasm can sometimes be taken as bitchy. Mm. So I'm like, I have to be very careful. Like I'm being funny. Shut the fuck up. Versus ha ha ha. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Right, (laughs) right. And I feel like that's crazy though. Uh, I think that's another thing too. Like besides being like, obviously a person of color but also being a woman mm-hmm. there's also it's like the that's why i don't mess with women i tell people <laughs> all the time like all all my female friends i'm like man i love y'all they're like i love you too joe and i'm like no 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 you don't understand like it's all of y'all i don't care if you white black asian muslim whatever i'm like look y'all go through so much stuff like not only because you might color of your skin, but also because where you come from and the, she got resting bitch face <laughs> right. and, and all this stuff. And 
Yeah, again, I respect to all the women out there. Love you guys. Y'all go through a lot because males may get joked on or whatever, whatever, but it, but they're not seen that same way no. as they have to really go out of their way mm-hmm. to be quote unquote bitchy. Yeah, for sure. Like that's crazy. Like whatever loose cannon does on stage, if I tried to do that, mm-mm, wouldn't fly. I would, the crowd, the crowd would turn on me because the crowd, if you heckle and the, if you're too mean in your heckle, then the mm-hmm. crowd will turn on you. So you have right. a fine line too. Like what are you going to walk on? And I wasn't even in the mood to heckle that night because I had already, part of my brain had already become so emotional about the whole situation that mm-hmm. I just didn't even know what to do in that point. I was gotcha. just like, oh my God, can it be 25 minutes now so I can get off stage? Right. Exactly. Right. Like, and I was embarrassed because now all these people are there to see me and like, I mean, I'm all hyped up on the radio, right? Like, they hype me up all the time. Shereen Kassam's doing X. Shereen Kassam's doing Y. Shereen Kassam's on HBO. And now, all of a sudden, I'm in Melbourne, Florida, bombing, like, dying on stage. Like, if you'd seen me that night, I looked like it was my first time on stage because I could not focus. I was, like, out of my I was out of my zone, right? Yeah. So 15 minutes into my set, usually about 15 minutes into my set, I'll mention I'm Muslim. And I said, I'm Muslim. And this guy at the table goes, gets up and goes, get rid of her and walks out. And his entire table stood up and walked out with him because I said I was Muslim. And that point, I just like lost my shit, like literally lost my shit. I don't even like, you know, because I've known the uh, podcast rules now for platforms and and for YouTube posting uh, of their guidelines on cursing and i let my guests curse and i don't curse that much but oh, this, i'm so sorry I don't but no 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 you're to, no i let my <laughs> oh, oh, guest curse i've learned the rules they they just say as long as your first like five ten minutes isn't like eh, 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 you know then you're good but yeah i have i just have to let that one fly fuck that dude and that whole table oh but it gets worse but it gets worse but that it gets is worse. crazy. So I I get off stage. I start crying. I'm bawling. Like some of the people from the audience, like follow me out and give me a hug because like they the people in the front knew what happened. The people in the back have no idea what's happened. Right? Yeah. They're just like, oh, she's having a bad night. Go out. The headliner comes on stage, and throughout this whole thing, again, security, the general manager, or even the headliner could have come up and told that table you're being disrespectful. But neither of them chose to do that, right? Right. Headliner comes on stage, does his thing, show ends. The and oh, and the thirteen people came back after I was done. The thirteen white people came back in, sat down, and watched the headliner perform. So, so now I'm like really pissed because like when he was performing, like, they were um, quiet. Like they didn't say a word. They were quiet, and I don't know if it made any difference that the headliner was a male, but it was a black guy. I was brown woman, and the first woman was a white woman. So after the show ends, these 13 people go out and start complaining to the general manager. They're like, she was offensive and she was rude and she was vulgar and you shouldn't pay her and you shouldn't let her be here anymore. And da 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 da. And they just went on. And then they came to me personally. Like they came up to me and they were like, you ruined our night. You're the worst comic we've ever seen. You're never going to work here again. And this is all happening, right? And the headliner is standing there and the headliner doesn't say jack shit, right? And as a black male, who's also gone through racism before, I would have expected him to stand up for me. Didn't do it. That's fine. But, right? But then he like started selling merchandise to these people and taking pictures with them. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're like allowing this behavior to go on and it needs to stop. So the yeah. night ends. Yeah. Um, actually, the night didn't end. Then we get our money. The headliner was like, I get more because I'm a man and I did a better job than you. So then we fought for like an hour about like money situations, which is the worst thing in comedy because men always think that they should get more money than women, which is like total absurdity. Yeah. Um, so he was like trying to strong arm me into getting more money. And then he stole money out of the pocket because he tried to like pretend I didn't know math. And I'm Indian, by the way. So I know math like at the back of my hand. I was like, I can see that $40 is missing. But mm. anyways. So the next day, these people went on Facebook and started posting all this stuff about me on the page for the comedy club. They were like, she was rude. She was insulting. She was gross. She was vulgar. Like all. And I don't swear in my set. I know I've sweared a little bit here, but in my yeah. set, I don't swear at all. I don't use any curse words. My whole set is TV clean. Because but even the idea, what you did here is it's tame compared to most to a lot of Americans. Yeah, but I know I don't. I don't swear because I want to be on TV. So like Correct. my set is super clean, like squeak. Well, not super clean, but you know. But, but understand, there, there's a little bit of a fine line in comedy, you know, to get a joke across. 
Heck, even cartoons that I look back at on YouTube where they say, hey, remember those 90s cartoons you grew up with? Let me show you some things that were in those cartoons. I was like, oh, wow. Dexter's Laboratory had a joke about like dad. It was like dad's trophy. And it was like the girl bent over, but was like right oh, in wow. the screen. And it said dad's trophy on her bottom. This was a cartoon? And it was a cartoon I watched in the 90s. But we didn't understand that, that as kids. Yeah. And it was like also something about Dexter's splooge. And it was like clearly to look like what it was they were trying to allude to. But kids are like, I don't know what that means. I'm like, holy crap. Anyway, so I understand that. Like you're trying to keep it clean and stuff like that. But I think just even for them, like for those cartoons, it's so for kids. Yeah. Like they had a little bit of edge to mm -hmm. them for some of those jokes yeah um my jokes have a little bit of edge but right but you're still trying to be encompassing to the Everyone, whole crowd yeah. right mm -hmm. and obviously you being uh, uh, a person of color uh you can kind of have certain jokes that appeal to your crowd too and kind of give you a difference right. you know from as you said just maybe the normal white comedians but I really want to go back to to like points that I, I actually had conversations with a person recently. Uh, I think it was my friend Antoinette about working in like the film industry with uh, people of color. And she said, you know, Joe, to be be all respectful, working with people that look like us, working with our own kind sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah. And you feel like you would think with all this like black power and mm -hmm. people of color to unite and all this stuff that we would get together and support yeah, each other. Yeah, for sure. No. No. And what I've also. Just so you know, I would always have your back. I And you know, I appreciate it. And I always have your back. Thank because you. my thing is, that's how we all get better together. Yeah, we're all fighting. That's the thing. We're all fighting the same fight. My fight as being Correct. a Muslim woman is no different than your fight being a black man. And not to not to uh, undermine being a black man. I know it's a lot harder mm -hmm. in the United States to be a black man or a black woman than it is to be a Muslim person. But at the end of the day, we're still fighting the same same stigmas and the same stereotypes and mm -hmm. the same the same uh, white man power. If mm -hmm. that makes sense, you know. But you know, what I also think is is tough too because here and this is my thing. When I hear some, and I believe a lot of young, especially, and I'm talking about my own race because I can talk about my own, just based on my experiences. When I came up and learned, because I grew up in the South, mm -hmm. grew up in North Carolina, and you know, my mom was a was a part of the first class of Black people to ever integrate into the high school I went to. Wow, that's awesome. So when when people say that like this stuff was a long time ago, yeah. I'm like, not that long ago. My mom's still alive. Yeah. I know. It's That's like, my mom. What, 30, 40 years ago, right? Right. Like, my mom is now And that like must 65, have been 60. so hard, right? That experience. Right. And she said, yeah. She's like, people would spit on us in the hallway yeah. and, and throw things at us and whatever. And we can't do anything. Yeah. You can't go over there and have a fight. You can't have an old school fight how we had. If I want to go fight that girl who spit on me, I'm going to jail. They're going to throw oh, me yeah. away. There, there's no rules nope. against that. There's no regular, right? So, uh, but getting back to it is... It all spans out to now. I don't, I, that's why I hate when I hear people and I'm the first person to call it my own culture. When I hear this, everyone talks about being together in unity and the crabs in the barrel mentality as someone comes up, you bring them back down. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when I see an opportunity that just because someone doesn't look exactly like you talk exactly like you, but that's still another person of color struggling in the same industry you are, as you said, this headliner, the problem for me is that you're doing it. So now that you have done that to a person, not only were you basically, you were racist against someone of color. And I don't care. I don't deal with that. If you're black, you can't be racist. Yes, you can. The <laughs> definition of racism does not exclude black people. Mm -hmm. You can be racist against white people, Muslim people, doesn't matter. You were not only racist, but you were sexist. Not only at the end of the day, yes. you tried to take money yeah, away from someone who earned that money because here's the thing no matter she you only bombed because people want to be rude mm -hmm. and racist mm -hmm. that's why you bombed the other people were trying to hear your set exactly and i brought them i brought 120 people 
And now you're trying to tell me I don't get all my money? You packed this. And that's what I was about to say. Actually, they owe you. Yeah. They owe you. Okay. So that's the thing that. Want to hear what really pissed? Here's the worst part. So I got banned from the club. Of course the you did because they're the regulars. The club, yeah. The club manager was like, we can't have her back here. So my my radio co-host, a black man, a Hispanic man, and a white man wanted me to personally not only call the club manager, but the 13 white people and apologize to them to let me back into the club. That was the part. That was the icing on the cake. I was like, are you serious? You want me to apologize for what? Being Muslim? I'm not going to apologize for who I am. That's who I am. Like yeah. every experience I've had in my life and my story is because of who I am. And now you want me to apologize for right. that. And I think that was the biggest learning that I've ever had in comedy is like, you have to stay strong to who you are. Like, so I'm not on the radio anymore. I lost the show. Well, I didn't lose it. I had to walk away because I wasn't going to apologize. And you're going to have to make those those sacrifices in your life and do i regret it sometimes i do mm -hmm. but at the end of the day my integrity meant so much more to me my ethics my values my moral that right. i can't i'm not gonna apologize for who i am and i think there is this uh we've been talking lately uh with other people uh about cancel culture right and apparently What's that's that? a that's a term now so now some people get canceled uh for good reasons some canceled? people get like, canceled canceled okay uh so for example I'm, I'm sure you've heard the the issues surrounding per people like R. Kelly. Yes. Right. So now we're kind of looking back. We're like, should we really play his music or mm -hmm. not? Man, he was really kind of dirty now that these old <laughs> stories are coming out. So a lot of people are like, oh, cancel R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. Okay, people like that with a track record and a history, mm -hmm. and they're just like, I didn't do any of these things, but it just seems to be more and more plausible each time that. It seems yeah. like you probably, probably did it. Uh, a lot of people are just like, he's canceled. Don't care about him. Peace. Right. Uh, but then you have uh, other situations that I think, uh, for example, uh, another uh, comedian or uh, Kevin Hart. Yes. Went through that issue. Could With not the, host the Oscars. Uh, the Oscars. Right. And, you know. People are digging up, and this is this day and age. They're I digging know. up old stuff. To, as I tell people all the time, I heard this off of Twitter, and I was like, I took this from someone off of Twitter. They're like, Twitter keeps the receipts. Yeah. I said, they'll they'll go back just like a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, in 2005, you said while you were in high school, screw all those white people. Oh, okay. <laughs> know, so, right? Like, you're right. And so it's, um, it's one of those things where now, uh, I tell people all the time, I, un unfortunately, until I think society gets to a calming point, uh, we have to, uh, you might have to do extreme things. Like if you think you're going to be famous or somebody, then maybe go ahead and delete that Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it sounds so bad. Like you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to hide your growth. And I see people's growth, like James Gunn situation. Fired out right by Disney, mm -hmm. doesn't speak to our values. James Gunn hasn't done any of the things he said in those like few tweets that was there years ago. Nothing close in the past six years of his astounding career, making Guardians of the Galaxy and things yeah. of that nature. Someone just got mad, brought up old tweets and said, this is who this guy is. Yeah. And it's like, and everyone around him's like, I haven't seen that guy yeah. for the last Years. So if that was that guy, someone would have seen that type of person come out. So no one gives people a chance to grow and change. And I feel like it's a very sensitive time. So bringing that back around those recent issues, um, have you found it hard to joke about certain things in comedy? Have you found it hard to kind of express yourself or be who you want to be? Because you were talking about, you know, how people want you to apologize for who you are. So do you feel like it's very hard for you to talk on social media, to go to different shows and tell certain jokes? Because it's like, uh, man, if I tell the joke this way, then my my agent in Hollywood might be like, nah, well, I'm, I, we, no one's booking you now mm -hmm. because you said one opinion. And it's like, well, I'm human. Yeah. And I have an opinion. And maybe I'm not particularly politically correct, but maybe I can do better. And thank you for the dogs coming out. <laughs> nice. Got you. And you're vacuuming. And I see that's why the dog is 
things. Got you. But have you had a hard time telling jokes or expressing yourself as a creative? Yes and no. That experience kind of shook me. Um, and then six months later, I did another show, and that's where two people got really upset that I talked about being Muslim. He was ex-army, so I have a feeling like some PTSD must have come up inside 1, of him. One thousand percent. But he took it out on me. I mean, this guy, this guy not only threatened to kill me at the show, he then wrote to the club and said I put his wife in a chokehold, which I. <laughs> I mean, you don't know me, but I don't have anger issues. You don't even look like <laughs> you want to put. I'm not saying you wouldn't live. Someone came and, and and crossed you the wrong way on the street. I'm not saying you wouldn't defend yourself. I am saying you just don't seem like the natural person. Is like no, I don't. It's not even going to get to that point at a comedy show and be like, I'm gonna put you in a chokehold. Like, yeah, or even get mad enough to the point where like I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go to jail for you. Like, no, what are you talking about? So yeah, he threatened to kill me. Then he wrote to the club like, "This is my place of work," and told him I put his wife in a chokehold he went on in facebook and he wrote this whole like shitty post about me and then all these women actually started commenting like she looks like a bitch she's ugly she's fat she doesn't look like she'd be funny and i was shocked how many women attacked me and i was like i don't know y'all why y'all mean why y'all being mean to me i don't even think it's a women thing it's that it's an american thing so i think there is a after especially 9 11 i think we went through a period of being extremely scared and there's still remnants of those people it's no longer that and i'm not and i understand i respect you know all all the people who fight for our country i grew up around fayetteville north carolina fort bragg base most people have to go through there and do training and stuff like that i had a lot of people friends of mine who are marines and rangers and stuff i understand but all those people overseas who were shooting at our friends, our family, our you know, our, our daughters, our sons, you know, all that, those people are very different from the people who are just trying to do the same things and live like an American right. citizen. Just because like I can't denounce and say like I can't get on stage and be like, what if it was flipped and it wasn't Muslim and it was black? And it was like terrorists coming out of Africa or something like that in an African country in Nigeria, Ghana or whatever, just flipping it, right? What I'm gonna do? Get out here and be like, I'm a filmmaker, but I'm not black. I'm like, you know, I'm like white or something. No, I am black. There's nothing. I'm dark. I can't change it. So I, I would just be like, how can you? I think there are people who are scared. Mm -hmm. They're we've seen so much and i think people need to get back to what comedy is comedy brought people together mm -hmm. our differences the jokes even the racist type of jokes that were said back in the days with robin williams and many other people around him like paul mooney and all that like there's old video of that you can look up they joked on each other in many different ways yep. about each other's race and things of that nature, but it brought everyone in the room together. Yep. It wasn't in a malicious way. And understand it, the, the lady on stage is not trying to plot to, to bomb you or like, what are you and that's, that's the part that I that's the whole idea of my skit like is to break down those barriers like I'm not a terrorist my parents are from Africa I'm not even from the Middle East I'm from Kenya for God's sakes like I'm not from Saudi Arabia or Iran where where these terrorists came from when they bombed 9-11 right mm -hmm. but a lot of these audience members are not even willing to listen they're just like they're right away scared, they're like man. oh my god she's muslim she's gonna try to bomb us they're scared i'm on stage where would where is my where is my bomb where is it yeah like <laughs> they are they are extremely scared and mm -hmm. now after uh especially in orlando i could i could understand that you know after those pulse, people yeah. after pulse and hearing about oh well did his wife know mm -hmm. well maybe she planned it with him mm -hmm. that yeah and now we're looking at muslim women oh they're women so they must be innocent and i said yeah. look here's the thing it doesn't matter if that person is white black muslim does not matter who they are there's so many domestic terrorists and i i, I don't care i'm not look i'm putting out the facts Go look up the race of most people who caused the recent mass shootings over the past 10 yeah. years. Oh, yeah. I, let's get let's get right, America. It has nothing to do with race. If someone is a crazy person, they're just going to do it. 
and they're not going to tell you a joke before they do it. That's not what that. Okay. So when people out here doing the same things you're doing, trying to be a comedian, a filmmaker, trying to be heck the person that works at your local grocery store and you can see that they come working and maybe they do wear, I don't know the what hijab. is the, 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 how you say it? Hijab. Hijab. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Okay. And it's like, if you see someone wearing a hijab, then don't treat them. They're just American. Yep. Exactly. Respect them. They're going to, you're going to, whatever you wear is a part of whatever your culture wears. And this, that, and the third, like it, it does not matter. The character matters. I'm just very passionate about that. I go on rants about that. It's just like, I hate that that happened to you. I just, in this country, it's 2019. I know. It's just let it be done just love people love and support people so moving forward from that i i see that you know you have had many tough times it sounds very scary so it has like gotten scary so i feel like do you still have that confidence to get on stage and still tell the joke have has it made you switch your jokes and switch your material are you saying you know what I'm going to still stay to me and who I am. I'm not going to let those people intimidate me. So how has that affected your comedy and your routines? Yeah, I mean, I've just been more selective where I perform. Uh, so like that club, the club where they threatened to kill me, the one in Melbourne banned me, so I don't go there. I don't do any clubs in Melbourne, Lakeland, Ocala, any red states, like red cities I won't yeah. perform in. Um, the club that the guy said I put his wife in a chokehold, they just don't book me anymore because... Whether they believe I put him in, her in a chokehold or not, I don't know. So I just become more selective of where I perform, um, which is kind of sucks because it's like I don't get to work every day if I want to work every day. Right. But at the end you of the day, just like pre-check. I'm kind of I feel safer that way. At least I'm not putting myself in harm's way. Gotcha. I'm also more cognizant now of my audience and like where I am. So if I can feel like I'm stepping into hot water, and you can usually tell, like I've had I've had audiences totally with me. Like I was in uh, Deltona a couple weeks ago and I could see the front table and they were all white and um, they were totally with me the whole way. They're like, ha ha ha. And like, I at one point I had to tell them, I'm like, so sorry, can you stop laughing? Because I gotta continue, like you're right. throwing off my rhythm. And then all of a sudden I said I was Muslim and this one table just crossed their arms and sat back. And I knew I crossed the line. So I took it back. I, I went, I went away from the Muslim jokes and I went right back into sex jokes and drinking jokes. It's not what I like to do. I don't like to talk about but sex. At that point, at that they point, already went and lost you. Yeah. So now they're trying to laugh at the, the, the sex and drinking right. jokes, but they're like, yeah, She's but at least they one. didn't totally dismiss me and walk out at that point, right? Gotcha. So I was still able to like salvage the show in the sense that it didn't become a distraction. But gotcha. I hate that because that wasn't what I wanted to do. That wasn't the message right. that I was trying to get across. But I had to pull it back and I had to be like, okay, let's talk about sex, you know? Right. So. And I feel like there's some other cultures have, who've caught the brick, I guess. Uh, you know, I feel like white and black, that's out. Look, we've been on that for many years but then i think of recent time there were there was like an explosion of uh latin american mm -hmm. culture yep. that was able to say okay let's joke about us like we're the people that mow your grass and fix your house mm -hmm. and think let's make jokes about that and joke about ourselves and that was really big for a time yeah. and i always felt like at some point in time we gotta gotta let people who are muslim come up and joke about things like and you know not take it so seriously because look it's it's over we're, we're we've progressed and i just hate that you have to switch your material you can't like express yourself uh but i will say going back to um expressing yourself and getting out there and you may have to be choosy but i believe the internet kind of helps people all people who are creatives uh express themselves and not be judged yeah too much i mean well, people are gonna judge you online but are. you I gotta mean, turn off those youtube comments correct but <laughs> ignore them i tell i told one guy uh that i'm friends with on facebook he was like you know i'm putting out films and stuff and i had guys just like oh you suck and that and i just told him i said it doesn't matter i said if they spent time enough to come to your youtube channel mm -hmm. to leave that comment you're doing something yeah. right really you think so yeah because here's here's the thing i'm sitting here i'll come home i'm tired mm -hmm. i'm like oh, what i'm gonna do if i want to cook if i want you know americans lazy 
why would I spend the time when I could go comment on something that I love or go watch a new Netflix movie I haven't seen yet or something? But I spent, even though I know it may sound like a small amount of time, but I spent two minutes enough just to watch something that you did and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you are effing da da da. And th- like just the thought that someone had to pause their life for a minute to tell me joe you freaking suck your podcast is boring i hate it i hate that lady that came on the podcast she's muslim all oh, f that f you too and i'm like you know what because you took the time to pause your life mm-hmm. if you really didn't like me or the podcast turn it off please wouldn't that be quicker yeah to go to something else that's an interesting perspective i need to clip this out and have it playing nonstop because i used to do youtube sketches mm-hmm. and the number of people actually it was only when i posted on facebook so meaning on facebook these are like people who friend requested me most of these people have friend requested me because they're from the radio i don't really know who they are mm-hmm. actually would write stuff on my sketches this one blows your acting sucks stop making these i don't like watching these i'm like and then it was funny because other people would comment back then why are you watching <laughs> and, and you know what Every single time one of those hecklers and people come, that's a view for you. And as you get more views and you get more up there, then people reach out to you. Advertisers mm-hmm. want to advertise. You get money. It is, it, it's a, it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah, that's true. But it freaking works. The, the YouTubers that I follow for many years, like over eight years, it's like those YouTubers have been at it for so long and not every video has been the greatest. I've seen somebody like, this one sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, why did you give that phone review that, oh, you're getting paid by Apple to say that yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Don't matter. Because as you keep coming back and you keep posting it, my view count keeps going up. Oh, it went from 100,000 views to 200,000 to 300,000. Oh, I got advertisers. I'm getting paid $3,000 a month to talk about what I love to do. And to hear you have uh, have a bad comment on it, which just bumped my views up, which just got me more advertising mm-hmm. dollars. Thanks. Keep coming back yeah. and saying that I suck. I, I It does not matter. Like, so I, I think you should just keep doing it. I don't care about those people. Just keep doing it. That's what I've told myself. Yeah. When- no, it's good advice. I mean, I didn't even think about it. If you think about it from that perspective, like they took time out of their schedule to tell you how much you suck. And you know time is precious. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you say that because like there was, there's been a couple threads on Facebook just about me. And it's like funny that people take the time out. Of, and now I'm looking back on it and I'm like, at, at the moment, you're just like, what the hell? Now when you look back on it and you're like, huh, they took time out of their life to start a thread about me and talk about me. Hmm, interesting. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I think that that's what people need to do, too, as well, because I, I think to be a, a comedian, from what I've heard, I mean, you got to have kind of thick skin. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like you wouldn't be in this industry if you if you didn't. But obviously, we're also still human. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we still, you know, sometimes see comments and we're like, mm. yeah, well, the hard part with thick skin is like you you do develop a thick skin. You definitely do. But when people close to you are the ones who are instigating it. And when I say close to you, I mean, I know Facebook, you're not really friends. Right. But if someone took the effort to friend request you to be your friend on mm-hmm. Facebook and then they're the ones talking crap about you on Facebook, on your page, then you're mm-hmm. just like, then why did you friend request me in the first place? Right. Like if you had nothing nice to say about me, why do you right. want to be friends with me? You know what but, I mean? But you know, I also see it. Um, a uh, guy that I follow, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh, or, he's awesome, Gary V. Gary v. Yeah, Gary V. And he talks about it all the time, right? That's one of his main go tos on multiple, uh, you know, daily V's or his little podcasts that he puts out every day. He talks a lot of times where he's just like, the number one thing I hear young people and old people. He said everyone is that everyone is so they stop everything they do based upon what someone else says all the time. Yeah. You could be super great at what you do, mm-hmm. but someone stops you or someone said you suck. You just started. Mm-hmm. You, you think you should be rich by now or something of that nature. And then someone says you sucks and you're only again, like me, five episodes into a podcast, or like you said, you're like 20 some episodes into your podcast. And then someone's like, ah, you suck. And then you're just like, okay. And then you stop. Yeah. 
because of mm-hmm. one person yeah don't he's like what do you? he's like i don't care if people think i suck gary's like i don't care well gary's I'm... also got money yeah but but here's <laughs> but here's the thing though and gary and that's what gary also goes back to he's like it's very he said i know that as as a male and obviously looking as kind of like a white male i mean mm-hmm. he's from you know yeah, his parents immigrate from russia yeah. he's just like I know I have a disappointing advantage over some people and mm-hmm. like I know that I come from a certain place of privilege, mm-hmm. but however, my parents did not. He said, like, we were immigrants. We didn't have no, we didn't have anything in this country. We didn't have anybody to back us up in yeah. the country. We had to grow. And he's like, and so, you know, of course, being an immigrant, as he tells the story, he's like, my our parents make us work in the family yeah. business. And I and I had this hustle mentality because right. it's like I have no one here. Like, I have to make this happen. So I do feel like he has to keep going back there because he said, I feel like, I think he feels like, this is my opinion, I think he feels like people forget. You know, I came from here, right? No, 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 really from here. Like, this ain't like Kim K saying, no, I came from the... No. No, we know you didn't. But that person is saying, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I really actually did check you know my background and so when he says like yeah to get here i mean of course someone probably said oh this little muslim but i mean this russian kid like oh really you're gonna be this one day and it's like yeah i am okay kid keep saying that yeah. okay i will and he kept doing it and now he is mm-hmm. and so i feel like for anyone else that's how you get there there is no shortage of the ability to succeed and that's what I feel that uh, people in general have a problem with, but especially people of color, I believe, because we haven't seen representation in many different fields. Uh, but I do feel that we are very represented in comedy, but I don't feel we have enough uh, women in comedy in general. And I don't think we have enough women of color in comedy uh, in general. Uh, but I see that you and many other people or women of color are starting to get more chances. I saw that... Um, Tiffany Haddish yes. getting her chance uh, with Netflix to do a thing, an animated series. And, and I think she's also going to have a deal to do a uh, special. And so I look at that and I'm just like, these are people that probably people said, oh, you're just going to be another black girl. What you going to be another Monique? Or is that what you're trying to be? And Tiffany's probably like, no, I'm going to be Tiffany yeah. Haddish. And boom. She got that break, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And and she kept working at it. So Yeah, she has a great story. I mean, she lived in a car. She was homeless. I didn't even she, know that. She was adopted. Um, I think she was an orphan. She was adopted. And then yeah, she lived in her car. Kevin Hart even offered her a place to stay. And she was like, What do I have to give you in exchange? Yeah, because you think <laughs> about that. Somebody that high up in industry, yeah. you're like And she lived in her car and now look where she is. Right. I mean, and now you see that they have a very good relationship, it seems, between Tiffany and, and Kevin. Mm-hmm. And that is a perfect example yeah, of, of people bringing. bringing up. And Kevin Hart's really good at that. Kevin Hart, because he's got Heart of the City, um, the TV show, or his little uh, Comedy Central special that he does. He just started Laugh Out Loud, which is his own network. I know his network I follow and on he YouTube. he showcases yeah. people of color. Like, he is bringing up people of color he doesn't care if you're black hispanic or i was gonna say white he doesn't care what color you are in the sense but he he's bringing people up through heart of the city and through laugh uh laugh out loud yeah Yeah. and that's just amazing for someone in that position to do that Issa ray from insecure oh she's doing the same thing she's helping content creators and film producers and stuff come up. Yeah. Actually, one one of uh, one of the guys um, that I know personally I went to high school with, he's a professional cinematographer right now. He's uh, I saw he's working on uh, the new show Boomerang on BET. Okay. Um, and he shot a film with Terry Crews. I don't know when that's coming out, but I saw the behind the scenes he showed on Facebook. But um, I saw that he uh, had a film he shot a long time ago with lesser cameras, it was just small film, and uh, Issa Rae Productions picked it up and said, hey, we want to feature that on our YouTube channel. And I told him about it. He said, I didn't even know they did pick it up. <laughs> He's like, because it wasn't my film, I was just the, the cinematographer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just thought that was beautiful because it's just like, man, it's someone that I know who, who's who been working very hard and got picked up by somebody at that yeah. level. So No, Issa is cool. Like, she's doing amazing stuff. American Black Film Festival, Like I participated in that two years ago with HBO. 
they really helped is my HBO career. behind that yeah they're one of the sponsors for american black film festival i might talk to you after the podcast about that too because i'm trying to do my first uh, yeah, short yeah, film yeah i'll tell you about it it's, after if you yeah. can get into american black film festival as a content creator whether it's yeah. a comedian or a film or um i think it's that's all they do comedy and film but okay it is one of the best opportunities ever because you're they let you rub shoulders with these people and talk to these people and ask questions and like these people become your mentors i mean the people on my podcast most of them came from american black film festival okay okay so definitely something i i mean i love any of these organizations that are helping people like us right. keep advancing because that's what we need we need that network we need that mentorship gotcha now what you know leading off towards the end here what uh are kind of the goals that you have set for yourself uh going into the future not just 2019 but just like in general like what is that like man when i reach the pinnacle it, this is kind of what i want to be known for this is what i want to do my kind of my legacy in a sense uh i want to inspire people i want people like you said i want people to look at me and say okay she's doing it i can do it too so even if I don't get my Netflix special, which I would love, or get my TV pilot picked up or um, make it big in the acting scene, I mean, the fact that I'm able to produce content and maybe inspire some other like young little brown girl or black girl or Hispanic girl like to go and try something, I think that's really what my goal is. Gotcha. And do you have any, I guess, because we've talked a lot of experiences that I feel like man are just kind of gut-wrenching to me because it's just like to, to picture that situation for you uh you know but i'm sure you've had really good and i didn't ask this before but what what is your i guess best experience like going through this career have you met someone that you like looked up to was there just like the moment that's just like that kind of gave you ease to be like hey this was a very awesome moment in my career and my path as being a comedian like was there a moment that was just like the aha moment? Yeah, for sure. American Black Film Festival. Okay. That so one. I showcased for HBO. Um, they had this whole theater bought out. There must have been 5,000 people there. Bob Sumner Whoa. from Def Comedy Jam was in charge of putting Whoa. it together. So I actually got to meet Bob and hang out with Bob, which was like a dream come true because he made a lot of this possible for us, right? He right. opened those doors. He opened those floodgates to showcase people of color at the Apollo. I mean, mostly black people. <laughs> yeah, were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. He still opened the doors for us and right. getting to hang out with him, being featured on HBO. Like I said, American Black Film Festival, if you go in there as a content creator, they treat you like um, royalty. I mean, every day we were have whining and dining with executives from HBO. Nice. We were meeting actors and actresses and film producers. We were getting advice from people like Will Packer. I mean, it was just such an awesome opportunity to be elevated for people to recognize you, even though that they were like really high up, like Will Packer so high up, he's still recognizing that you're trying to get right, somewhere, right. right? And they've put on this showcase for you to showcase your talents. So that was probably, I mean, after I did that, I was like, maybe I should retire. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, well, don't retire just yet. You got too I know, much but it left was such, in you. It was such it's a just... great opportunity. I was like, when am I ever going to experience this again? You will. 100%. I hope 100%. so. Because it was so cool. It was Look, awesome. I, I feel like I feel like things do happen for a reason, how cliche that sounds all the time. But I feel like there are those moments that just like, you can't make it up. You're just like, hey, this just happened to me. Or mm -hmm. I just met this person. Or I just got this opportunity. And I feel like as you keep putting yourself around those circles and you keep being the positive person that you are, then you will get more and more opportunities to be around those people and those opportunities. Uh, so any leading off advice for anybody else trying to be a comedian as well? Uh, any Anything that, you know, someone's like, you're like, you know what, this one thing that I learned, I would love to tell others like, hey, from my experience, this. Hustle. Hustle. Nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to call you or Facebook message you or tweet you to be on their showcase. If you want to be on a showcase, you got to hustle. I mean, don't annoy them. Don't be like, put me on your showcase, but reach out, ask them, how do you get on their showcase? What are, what are the steps to take? I mean, it's all about hustle. It's putting yourself out there. Any creative should do that. And then keep working on your craft, like keep writing, keep performing, keep getting on stage, keep talking to people, keep networking, brand yourself, market yourself, 
It all right. And like you said earlier, it's all about social media today. Have right. a presence on social media. Showcase your stuff. You don't necessarily have to put your jokes on social media, but you've got to engage in social media. Right. Um, it's something I'm trying to do a lot better this year is like really focusing on social media because there's been two clubs now that I've tried to work for and I didn't have enough followers for them to hire me. Really? We're ranking on followers? Yeah, we're I ranking keep on followers. That. That's crazy. So, I mean, hustle. It's like, but it's, gotcha. it's hustle all the way around. You can't just... You can't just focus, I'm going to write the funniest jokes. That's how it used to be, but I think now the hustle is, I'm going to write the funniest jokes, but I'm also going to take acting classes and improv classes, and like I'm just going to spread my wings because I'm going to be a multifaceted comedian that's ready for anything that comes my way. That's awesome. That is so. amazing. And as we were kind of doing earlier, and of course <laughs> I wanted to lead back to, is uh, please tell the people out there, where can we follow you and get more comedy, you know, and brighten up our days and support, uh, you know, our fellow comedian of color here. So what? where can we follow? So you can find my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, anywhere you find podcasts. It's called Creative Breakthrough. Jumpstart your creative journey. And I interview successful creatives of color to get real life strategies and inspiration on how to win in your awesome. creativeness. You can find that. If you can't find that and on the, the sites, you can go to funnybrowngirl.com and there'll be a link to it there at funnybrowngirl.com. And then you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at funnybrowngirl. Right. So you I've have got, your I've social got, media locked down. I've got she, funny get, brown she got girl the tag. Locked down. Yo, no <laughs> one can take that. I got funny brown girl everything. That's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> lovely to have you on. Thank I'm you. gonna this ask about those those plugs that yes. we were talking about earlier and the and the African American is it African American or Black Film Festival? American Black Film Festival. American Black Film ABFF. Festival. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely ask about that. But thank you for coming by, spending time out of your your lovely day. No, this because, was great. Thank you for having me. So anyway, thank you again. And if you have any questions message me i'm totally open there we go reach out yes reach out you can reach out so we can so we can help each other i'm (laughs) definitely reaching i'm reaching out to her now like right after this but anyway thank you for listening thank you for coming again that's been an episode of not your day job good night